Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome into episode 312 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I've been better. <laughs> I've been a lot better, but this this is going to be a good therapy session for an hour. We got to talk about a lot of stuff, Jack, and a lot of stuff that three weeks ago I didn't think we'd be having to talk about, but here we are. Let's get through it. So I'll be honest. I... I, I take pride in us uh, as a show being level-headed and trying to be a voice of reason and not using every loss to figure out why the program is in shambles and why we're in doom and gloom and why we should pack up and abandon the basketball program. Like I understand this is the most passionate fan base in college basketball for every good reason. And I'm, so so grateful that we have an audience that has those feelings and I feel them too because I am a diehard Kentucky fan I will never apologize for that I grew up a diehard UK fan went to school there this it it runs through through my blood it's in it's in my bones um so I I have appreciated our ability to take every game as a micro say okay well this sucked but here's the why and here's what it means moving forward and why we should just say, let's take a step. Let's just take a deep breath here. And we've done that over the course of the season where the micros have slowly and slowly and slowly become part of the macro. And this, you know, we've talked about some of these losses hurting a little bit more than others. The more most recent ones hurting, obviously, the most. The Florida one probably being one of the first where you go, yep, don't don't know what the path looks like. We're we're approaching danger zone right here. Um, this was one that I left Rep Arena at two thirty a.m. last night, um, and I can say, trying to be as level headed and straightforward as possible. I don't know what the path looks like moving forward with this team. Um, This is one of the best offensive talented teams from top to bottom that I have seen with my own two eyes. Uh, They are passing every efficiency volume, just total production test that you could possibly dream of. Um, And it's all being wasted. This, this team is a big, what if right now, the way things are trending where, we're not seeing the defense get any better. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results, Sean. And we are seeing the same thing over and over and over and again on the defensive end. Doesn't matter the opponent. Doesn't matter what the location is, home, away, neutral. It's the same product overall. And we have been living and dying by our offense. And now we're dying. And 
for the first time, I'm starting to hit that panic button. I'm starting to hit the the red flags and the sirens are going off in my head of saying, I don't know what the, I don't know what that path looks like because we're not seeing any tangible defensive growth, the same mistakes over and over again. And I'm not going to just assume, again, as we said on the last show, what does assuming mean for us? Makes an ass out of you and me. Right now, I'm feeling like a big old asshole, Sean, being totally transparent. Before we get into that, I, I do want to make clear that I have not taken down my poster. <laughs> so I've, I've not completely just ripped up posters and threw them in the trash. I'm not at home. So I'm actually out of town today. So uh, the poster's still up. So I don't want it to look like that. I just, hey, no longer anything Kentucky behind me. But no, we to we hell with this team. <laughs> just rip down those two behind you there. Uh, no, we, we got to talk a lot of uncomfortable stuff today. And it goes the same. It's the same stuff that we've been saying, though, Jack. Like, you know, Daniel texted me today and he said, do you have any clips that you want to break down? And I told him no, because it's the same stuff. Like, it's it's going to be the same stuff that I showed you a few days ago. It's going to be the same stuff I showed you last Sunday. All the defensive breakdowns, it is just lack of communication, lack of discipline, ball watching, all the above, all into one. Kentucky will defend. Gives great effort. Like, I don't question this team's effort at all. I don't question the fact whether, whether or not that they quit last night because they kept trying to make it a game. They kept getting it down five, six, seven. They just couldn't string together stops. And when they'd force a miss, they didn't have the discipline enough to get a box out and grab a rebound. And I've been saying it for weeks. If you're not going to be a good defensive team, you better be an elite defensive rebounding team. And right now they're neither. They're horrible on the defensive end of the floor. Not good in situations of needing to get a rebound. You let smaller guards grab rebounds on you now and get putbacks. You defend late in the clock. And I'm sitting there on press row. I know I was a few seats down from you last night, but people, people sitting beside me, what are you doing in the final eight seconds of the shot clock? Are you tough enough and disciplined enough to get stops in the final eight? And once Kentucky was trying to make that final push, how many baskets did Tennessee get in the final eight of the shot clock just because Kentucky can't guard for 30 seconds and get a stop. That one sequence, Sean, where Reed Shepard gets the and one finish, misses the, the, the free throw, and mighty might, uh, Zakai Ziegler comes in with at the shot clock buzzer right outside the, the paint and gets the putback, ball, balls in the air, free, free ball for anybody. He c- comes flying in and finishes the putback, and it's a three-point swing, a chance to make it a two-score two game for the first time since the beginning of the second half, moves it back up to nine, and just completely lets the wind out of the sails of, of – I mean, we have a lot to talk about with the atmosphere, the post-game radio, and all – I mean, there, there was just a lot of just exhausting nonsense that happened in, in that game. But that, that felt like the – the story of this team encapsulated in a in a two play swing, and w- w- where things stand. Because how do you let a five three point guard come flying in for that putback in that moment to give up that momentum? Like they had the fight, and I that's why that's what pisses me off so much about it, Sean. Because it did feel like. That first swing, I mean, the, right out of the gates, you get down 16-5, five, 
and they chip and chip and chip and chip. Swings back the other way for another 14-point lead. Chip, 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 chip. Get it down to four at halftime, and you feel, dang. Like, they're, they took the physicality. They, they took the punch right on the chin. And they, you know, backs against the wall. They started swinging back. You're like, okay, cool. I, I appreciate this effort. You get it down to one to open the second half. And you're like, all right. You know, Rupp Arena, the crowd was unbelievable, Sean. You had fans showing up at 4 a.m. ready to explode. They're, they were wanting any opportunity to tear the roof off that place and just create that environment that, you know, it could have been an all-time environment, but it felt like every time we were getting to that, whoa, 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 whoa moment where things could really pop off, one more setback, one more lack of discipline in play, one more, you know, guys pointing at each other going, wait, shoot, I thought that was your man. Every little detail where they just, they did not have the discipline to string enough defensive stops together to compete. And that's where we go. How how can we expect this group that can't put together enough defensive stops and have the discipline to win a single game at any given moment and expect them to win six straight given the same like it's we can't just accept this stuff and assume it's going to get better and assume that it's just going to magically get fixed. These are these are foundational fundamental issues that aren't getting better. I know and I, I want to get your thoughts. Obviously fans are wanting what you know wondering what do you do then? What is the next step for this defense? Do, you know, why are we not pressing? Why are we not switching to a zone? Why are we not trying to just switch what we're doing? Again, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And that's what we continue to see with this team. They are not throwing anything unique or different at the at, at opposing offenses to try to get this thing right they are assuming in their heads that everything they do on the offensive end is going to carry them down the stretch uh, and that's a losing recipe this team is going to be a first weekend exit if they continue down the path that they're going right now end of story they will not make it out if we continue to win or try to win these games 100 to 90 we're gonna we're gonna lose in the opening round they have to figure out a defensive identity whether it means locking in with what's what they're doing right now have a hard time believing that or switching up to something else. It doesn't have to be a whole game of, of zone, but a possession or two here mix in with full court press, mix it. Like you got to get something because the recipe for right now is a recipe of failure. Well, and, and a lot of people have been asking me like, what, what is it about Kentucky's defense? Like, well, what, what is so bad? And the only way that I know to really put it and describe it is you have a combination of a team that, gives up a ton of offensive rebounds, especially at key moments where they're trying to make runs and trying to get stops. And if you can't get those defensive kills, those three stops in a row, it's hard to go on runs. And the other side of this is Kentucky has a – it's to me it's a fatal combination of guys that aren't good guarding the ball then also guys that are terrible off-ball defenders. Like it's it's both. I mean, I've watched straight line drive after straight line drive, then I've watched – good contain on the drive and then someone falls asleep ball watching off the ball and give up an open three. Like it's a combination. It's both. It's not just one. And when you do add a shot blocker like Ugo, who's played more minutes of, of late straight line drives into him. But if somebody's ball watching on the perimeter and somebody just falls asleep, it doesn't matter if you have a shot blocker in there. These are division one college basketball players. They're going to find an open guy, Jack. 
And my concern about Tennessee the entire time, and I don't remember if I brought this up on the last one, I was talking about Dalton Connect. They lean on Dalton Connect a ton. But then in this situation, you let guys go off that have not been getting those nights in those moments. You you let Zakai Ziegler go. You let Vescovy hit a three in the opening segment. You let Josiah Jordan-James get confident and have the game of – his best game of SEC play, maybe in his best game of the season uh, to this point. So you let others go for career nights while Connect doesn't go for 30-plus on you like he has been everybody else in the SEC. So that says more about Kentucky that they're letting other teams – and then Cal talking last night that, oh, everyone's playing good against us right now. Florida goes and scores 66 on the road in a loss yesterday to Texas A&M. It, at some point, it is because of what you're doing. If teams are shooting threes and hitting threes on you, and then they're going to the next game and not hitting threes, or if teams are scoring 90-plus on you and not scoring 90-plus on the next team, that says more to do with you. It has nothing to do with its play in Kentucky. This is not the Kentucky effect of everybody's juiced up and amped up for you. It is that you are awful on the defensive end of the floor. And I really didn't think it would reach this point, Jack. Back when I was saying that I wasn't worried about the defense as much, it, they were defending at a better clip than what they're defending at right now. This has been bad the last two weeks. Outside of Arkansas, this has been bad. And I'm still convinced Arkansas just missed shots down the stretch too. Like they, they Arkansas didn't help themselves. This has been trending in the wrong direction. It is trending now to where if you really crunch these numbers, how many spots did they drop last night? Down to 102. It was, it was 102. I don't know what it is right now. So that's multiple times that they've taken 20-spot dips. Now they climbed after Arkansas, and now they're back to where they were you know, entering that matchup. But when you look at this and you cut it up into the last few games, where is this team defending at in college basketball over the last four or five? It can't be good with all the drops that we're seeing. So, I mean, I'm concerned about it. I think John Calipari is obviously concerned about it. And I know I saw some people in the comments a moment ago asking me, like, so this stuff is being taught and the guys are just falling asleep and not doing it. I can't speak on that. I can't speak on whether or not this is stuff that they're sitting down and showing these guys on tape and saying, this is where you're falling asleep. This is where your breakdowns are. You can't have this. you got to be disciplined here. I would hope that that stuff is being shown because everyone – that can see what is happening within this team and watching this team right now, sees the mistakes defensively. We keep bringing it up. Other people keep bringing it up. I'm ass I'm assuming that that is being corrected, but it's not carrying over to games, and this team just, do just does not have enough discipline to beat teams like Tennessee who can execute in the half court. If you can execute and score right now and just run good stuff, you're beating Kentucky. Who, uh, Sean, it was the fifth most points ever allowed by Kentucky in a home game. The VMI loss in the Billy G era, 2008, they, the Kangaroos went for 111. That was the only other time the Cats have allowed that many points in Lexington since 1992. Like, this is not a one-off thing where every team just goes nuclear – it, that's an identity issue. It's not a, well, damn, what are we going to do? Is the Kai Ziegler going crazy? Well, yeah, he's also hitting horse shots. Like, understand that you are the problem. It's it's like that, you know, when, when you're in a relationship and, you know, you just keep getting left over and over and over and over again. You're like, damn, these these girls are toxic, man. This, this, I just, 
everybody's talks and it's like your friends are starting to look around at you and go, man, he's on his like seventh, eighth girlfriend over the last year or two. Hmm. Maybe you're the problem. Maybe, maybe you, your identity is the crisis, not everybody else around you. That's the issue. That's, that's the, the personality foundation issue that, that we're struggling with right now in that program. Um, and it sucks because you are, you wasted an all time effort from Rob Dillingham. Sean, I, I don't think you will ever see Rob Dillingham play a better game in a Kentucky uniform. I, he could not play any better. I mean, he went as efficient as humanly possible. 14 of 12 overall, six of eight from three, four assists, two steals, just one turnover, 35 points. He got anything that he wanted as electric. I mean, it, that was Malik Monk, Jody Meeks level. And we will never remember that game down the road because it it meant nothing. It didn't result in anything. It was it was empty calorie stats because it resulted in a double digit loss. Like imagine how infuriating that is to know that you poured everything in. And again, he had his defensive issues. Everybody had defensive issues. Rob was bad on that end, just as everybody was. But understand that. If you were to tell me going in that Rob Dillingham would go for 35 on 14 of 20 shooting, Dalton Connect would go for 16 points on 5 of 14 shooting, on 1 of 5 from 3, I tell you, where were we burning the couches after that win? Where, where were we celebrating? What, what, what are we drinking? What, what type of night are we having? Because I'd feel pretty darn good about that. And it was a double-digit loss, Sean, like that. I, I don't know what the path looks like, man. I, I don't know what that quick fix looks like. And we can say that and you you talked to Reed Shepard after the game and a do theory and Rob had similar comments as well. And it was, I'm not worried at all. We're fine. Every, everything's fine. And the talent is there for things to be fine. That's why we said on the last show, this thing can go one of two directions. They could win out the rest of the way. They have the talent to do so. And we could be talking about this team entering the SEC tournament as one of the hottest in college basketball. We could. Th that's very much still on the table. But this team can also, this was the first quad one game of five more to come. They could also lose all of those. And we could genuinely talk about missing the tournament. Like it is, I don't remember, Sean, a time where we have seen two extremes of this magnitude at this point in the season where we're teetering that line of man. I don't know what what the path looks like for this team. Like, is is this going to be a magical storybook finish where we go, wow, they it finally clicked for them against Gonzaga, or they went down to Nashville for the Vandy game and absolutely curb stomped them, and it just magically clicked for them. I hope so. That'd be fantastic. But we could also see a scenario where you lose the quad ones and then go down to Mississippi state and lose that one. Or you, you, you know, LSU, what happens if they go to Baton Rouge and slip up there? Then we could talk about the biggest, what if in the John Calipari era, the, the biggest Cal found the roster that he had been begging for in the, the pieces of freshmen that, that magically fit together. Unlike anything he had seen before on the offensive end where he genuinely felt this is my group. This is, I, I got away from the Jacob Toppins and Oscar Sheebways and Xavier Wheelers and CJ Fredericks getting away from that turnstile of, uh, of transfer portal additions and built my foundation with truly elite freshman talent. 
and have it not work to that extent. Like I, I don't, I don't want to talk about that, what that would look like and what it would mean moving forward if this roster was wasted, but we're approaching that territory where it's at least in the conversation. We, we can't just blindly ignore the, the reality facing us in, in right in front of our faces. It's a very do or die must win basically not every game, but you, you cannot afford any other slip ups moving forward. Like you can, you, you can't, you can't lose that LSU game. You can't, some of these games are just so unbelievably important moving forward that you slip up there and this could go downhill very, very, very fast. Sean. And that's scary. It is, but I don't see this team missing the NCAA tournament. I don't. Thankfully they have that win against North Carolina. Now, if they hadn't got that one in Atlanta, we would be having a little bit different conversation because when you look at their resume, it, it would be missing a lot, but they got that one. So I just, I don't see this team falling apart to that extreme because I still think the offense is going to be good enough to win a lot of games. But when it comes down to trusting them to win when it matters in the NCAA tournament or in the postseason, there's where the issue lies. Like the offense will be there. It's just, will the defense be there just enough? And I, I've not been begging for this defense to be elite at any point. Like no. I've, I've not said it had to get to the top 10 or the top 15. I just said, you couldn't be so, you can't be as a, as good in one and as bad in the other and have this wide margin in between. It just, it can't be like that. And people have asked me, someone asked me yesterday, they said, are you still the coach that would take the higher scoring offense or the elite defense? And I'm still leaning the offensive offensive side because you can get stops, get stops, get stops all night. You can be a good defensive team, but if you can't score the basketball, you're not winning basketball games. I'm just saying there has to be a middle ground here. This team cannot be this bad defensively. There is no excuse to be this bad defensively, but I think that this team lacks toughness. And it showed some fake toughness last night. Agreed. At times. Some fake toughness, like the dust up there. Yeah, you can you can be defending your teammate and things. I'm I'm good with that. If if something happens and you want to defend your teammate, go for it. But in that moment, the toughest thing there is to go get two or three or four defensive stops in a row and then come down and score the basketball and make a run and show some fight there. Tennessee, you could see it on their faces. They knew from that moment it was done. Those veteran guys, they knew it. And I'm going to make another point here, too. My only complaint right now with John Calipari, and it's not as much a complaint. It was more of a concern. I watched him from July through December really settle in. And not only was the offensive philosophy different, his body language is different on the bench. He had a little bit more patience. I watched him against Kansas that night when they were shorthanded and playing small ball stay motivated. And not just getting over animated about things. We talk about this team ball watching and losing focus. Its head coach does the same thing and loses focus a lot of times as well. And I noticed it in the rapid reaction video last night. I think it was Steven's video uh, that he put up. And I saw it live. I know he doesn't like Doug Shouse. That is probably. I don't either. I don't either. I I can't stand Doug Shouse. He's He's not on the Christmas card list at all. And probably most of these officials aren't. But you're at a point in the game and you let your entire team just walk by you 
and you're approaching the official all the way under the basket, just go coach your team. You Whatever you say in that moment is not changing what happened. The only thing that you can control is what are you doing coming out of that timeout? And I just feel like Cal is getting animated again, and I think a lot of it is the pressure. I th- I, I, I'm telling you, it's starting to hit now because there's some losses coming. There's some injuries. There's not everybody available. I think he feels that this team is there. They have the pieces. They have the talent. And I think that it's starting to weigh a little bit, Jack, because I'm seeing some of the animated stuff come back. The getting over, he just loses focus for a couple of possessions. He was all the way on the other side of half court in Rick Barnes's coach's box trying to argue with Doug Shells. And Coach O is up trying to get him to come back. He turns and screams it up. And then I could see O was like, well, whatever, you know, just have it. But they'll get a call and he'll spend 25 seconds screaming at the official that was on the other side of the floor thinking that that's the official that should have called it. You still got the call. Just don't worry about that stuff. That's the, that's the stuff that I think that he I, I can just see him tightening up. And this is what I didn't want to happen with all these guys coming back. You get seven footers back. It feels like we've reached a point now where it's not just as relaxed. It's getting real. And I'm, I'm hoping that that can shift. And I think it can. But to me, that's that's an issue, too. And if I think Stephen may be, may be able to run that that clip at some point, too. So if, if he if he's able to, Stephen or Daniel, you guys put it up. Yeah, well, while they put that together, I, I do have a little mini rant that I want to get your take on um, as well. I was I, – I'm, I'm a Cal guy. I, I'm, I'm, you, you guys know that. I'm, I'll not apologize for that. I, I you know, think, think that there is no other person to run this program, nor would I ever, ever want it. But I, I think for the first time, uh, last night was a really bad look this season with how he handled the post game. And again – he went out and talked for eight, nine minutes to the normal UK media members, answered every question. Some of them were tough. Some of them, you know, some of them were softballs, whatever. But he handled that just fine. Thought he didn't say anything that was like, you kidding me? What was that? Like he, his answers were fine there. But I don't think we as media matter as much as the fans out in that stadium, out in, out in that audience. I, I I think they were the ones that he called on last week before the Florida game to say, hey, we need you to be a 10-point swing for us. We need you to come out and make this atmosphere something that people go, Rupp Arena is feared. We want to feel you at, it, at B- BBN's best. You had fans show up. Yesterday morning at four o'clock in the morning, setting up basically a football tailgate. You had air mattresses, you had TVs, you had video game systems. They were there in line, ready to pour everything into this team and create what could have been an all time Rupp Arena moment. And that was what you asked for. Like you called on the fans to be that. And when adversity hit, and you took that loss on the chin. Loss is what it is. We were talking about what it means and all that stuff. But when that loss hits, those fans were waiting for you. They were waiting to have the face of this program talk them off the ledge. Help them go, okay, maybe it isn't so bad. Maybe we the, we we shouldn't feel this negative about the program right now. 
okay, I'm feeling better than I was 20 minutes ago when the final buzzer went off. Instead, he sends Orlando Antigua out to answer those questions after they had already sent Justin Edwards, who had been the, I mean, probably the, out of everybody, he had been critiqued, I think, the most out of anybody on this roster, given what his expectations were, how he'd been playing. And he, to his credit, went out and played his butt off. I I thought that was one of the best games. And again, it was 7-4. and We're not talking about a 20-point performance, but it was a a very solid all-around effort. And he deserved to have a media opportunity for the first time in a minute. Um, And he did really well, to his credit. He answered questions and was thorough. He kind of had a reputation when he first got here of just being very short-winded. We did 40 questions with... Uh, Justin Edwards as a recruit on this show and it was I mean like a 25 minute show for a reason because very short winded it was one question couple word answer that's how he operates he went out and he was thorough he was you know at at his best but he he took that on the chin he answered looked at the adversity in the face and did it in front of that crowd but when that opportunity came for Cal to follow up immediately afterward, he sends Coach O out there. I thought it was a really tough look, especially after calling on the fan base to be at their best a week before. Since then, Kentucky blows two straight losses at home. And right when that pressure mounts, as you said, Sean, you 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 can't face that. It, 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 I, I love Cal. I, you, I mean, again. I've been we've been the last media outlet, in my opinion, to throw the all hell is breaking loose. It's time to hit the panic button. We haven't we have not done that on this show. I think for the first time, that was the that was a time where I was like, man, that's that you can't defend that. that that's just a really tough look. And I, I hope he addresses that tomorrow night on his call on radio show and says, I, I made a mistake there. Yeah. And, you know, I've I've been thinking about it all day. And then every time and this and I, I do want to say this: there, there are plenty of wins where, where John Calipari steps off the podium table there, and and looks and says, "Do I got to do radio?" Like it's not. I don't want people to think that it's just a loss. Like there, no. I've watched. I think he just it doesn't the, like doing it. He just doesn't like doing it. But I think it was the Miami game where they played so well, and he's like, "Do I got to do this radio show tonight?" Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I know I get it. Like it, it weighs. You've you've coached, you've coached, you've talked to media, you've gone through the week, you've gone through preparation. You want to give your assistants an opportunity to talk as well. But those people that sit in those chairs and they sit in those seats, first of all, it's a traditional thing. Mm-hmm. People stick around and it doesn't matter if it's a nine o'clock tip. It was late last night. And there were people sitting there that sure. They love assistant coaches. They're there to see Cal. They're there to toss a basketball, whether it's a win or a loss to get it signed. I just feel like as the head coach and I'm not, and I, I mean, I've, you know, this, I, I love Cal, uh, I've been a big supporter of the things that they've done to this point and and still believe that they can do some good things here moving forward. But I just feel like the responsibility lies on the head coach that even if an assistant coach offered to go do it for you, you still go take it and talk. I don't remember the Patino days. I was, I was little. I don't remember Tubby's radio shows. I don't know if assistants sat in, maybe somebody that's older that's in our chat can tell us that, but, I just feel like that that should be the head coach that's out there in that moment. If the player's going to speak, I feel like the head coach should go to speak. And usually now here's the thing. 
when he when he's feeling good, he'll go say the exact same thing he says to us to the fans. So he asked the fans to show up and create environments. They went 0 2 in key home games this week. The fans gave their end. Now you got to give their end and give them some hope to stay latched on to it. And maybe it's not a big deal to them, but to me, I think a lot of people probably looked at that and thought it was a big deal. And I just, I just, I don't know. That that happens more. That happens at least once a year. It feels like down the last few years. But look, Jack, this this thing's this thing's got to get right. I don't know how it gets right. I know that's probably not the the answer or the response that a lot of people listening to me want. But right now, fans aren't in control of this. It's the players and it's the coaches. And it starts on the defensive end of the floor. It starts on the glass. Like those are the two areas where this team has to get better. They're going to score the ball. We'll get into, into Trey Mitchell here in a moment. But there, there's definitely some stuff that have happened. There's some stuff that's happened over the last few weeks that this team was defending better overall when they were smaller. Yeah, and, and I, one quick note before I don't want to drag drag it on, but you know, think of think of the hard earned money that, that I mean that was a hot ticket. That was an expensive ticket that fans. I mean that that was an investment on the fans' part when they call, when he called on the fans to make it a all time environment. You know, have fun, enjoy it. Don't just stand there and try to analyze and criticize. Just have a ball at the game. I think they did that. I think that's exactly what the fans did in that moment. They they lived up to the you know what what, what was asked of them. And just think of the six year old fan that that parents you know, that was the first game that they brought their kid to and they knew that Cal stays afterward and always signs balls. And like, just think of what was for, for those people. It doesn't affect me at all. The, the, the radio show, it doesn't, I mean, it's, it's quotes. It, it that doesn't do anything for me personally. I'm just thinking of them and how, those fans and the, the young kids that are making their, their their first time that get to see Coach Cal talk and listen for the I remember being that fan and get I had a, the, I have a ball sitting right there in my office that I was that fan sitting there that I had signed by Coach Cal in that exact same moment. I just think of what about a kid that was in there having their first moment and not getting that because it was it, it was just too tough of a loss. You know, it just it. Got to get better. Got that that that's got to got to got to get fixed. Um, hopefully he he addresses that shortly. But um, obviously a big talking point after the fact, Sean was DJ Wagner, and now Kentucky's zero and three without him. Um, he was out with an ankle issue. Um, Justin Edwards returns from a groin issue. Adu Thero is getting back healthy with a back issue, although he is grimacing every time up and down the floor. You can tell he is also hurt. Uh, and now it's pretty clear that something is off with Trey Mitchell too. He probably the worst we have seen him um, in a Kentucky uniform for my money. I, just a, on on both ends, I thought was was really really bad. Cal said that we're going to have to sit down with him and figure out why. Um, it's my understanding that he is also dealing with some lingering, you know, pain and back, you know, some back soreness. He was coming in and out every timeout, throwing the back pad on and you know trying to get that dealt with again part of the reason why we complain so often to start the year what we can't be running this guy into the ground 
because he is an old man in the basket college basketball world and you can't be playing him 39 to 40 minutes. You can't do that. This is why. Because now at the end of the season, when you need him most, mm, starting to hit that breaking point. So I don't know what his health looks like moving forward. I know he's gonna, you know, he's tough. He's gonna try to gut it out, but uh, he hurt the team yesterday, just just being totally transparent with, with his play. Kentucky needed him, and that was not um, you know, the Trey Mitchell that we're used to seeing. And unfortunately, it's been a, a, a string of those type of performances. Sean, don't as as ugly as things look right now, if Trey Mitchell doesn't get that part figured out here very shortly, and maybe it is just getting going small. I don't know what that looks like, but that's troublesome. Uh, seeing how he played was very, very troublesome yesterday. Yeah, it, it was. And and I, and I want to see how he responds. I want to see, because, look, up until the last recent stretch, like we praised him for the shots and the plays that he made in the second half at Arkansas just a week ago. So I want to give it a little bit here. I want to see what he responds like this week for a couple of games. They got a big opportunity. I know we don't want to look ahead, but they got a big opportunity against Gonzaga next Saturday night in another primetime game. So – I want to see that before I have a a lot of a lot more concern about it. But there's been a lot of shuffling with this thing, and this isn't contributing to the defense. I'm telling you, like DJ Wagner last night. Having DJ Wagner does not, to me, make a difference in the outcome of that game because Kentucky defended poorly when they had DJ. So maybe you get a little bit, maybe you get a little bit more offensively, but I don't think it's enough to make up. What you gave up 103? Is that what the final score ended up being? Yep. Um, I mean, do they need him? Yes, absolutely. They need DJ Wagner, but the issues that Kentucky has is kind of a collective thing defensively, and it's been there and it's getting worse and it's getting worse. Now, where the stuff with Cal, and I'm talking about this, where I think it's getting hard to manage and where do you want to go? And, and I'm kind of sensing some of that frustration is the way that this roster has looked different almost every game for a while now. You you started small. You didn't have any of the three seven-footers. And then you move through. You get a seven-footer back, but then your point guard's not there against UNC Wilmington. And then you get a couple of games healthy. You're feeling really good about what you did against North Carolina. You're still doing the stuff with Z. You beat Louisville. Now you lose a due to start SEC play. And then you work in Z. And now DJ's out. Justin was out. Rob was sick of game. Like it's, it's a lot. And I think that that stuff is starting to weigh here. And that's what makes it difficult to then establish a rhythm collectively together. But defensively, Jack, regardless of who's on the floor, as bad as they are in that area, to me, it doesn't matter who's out, who's not. Like they're, they're bad right now. And it's worse. It's honestly worse than what their number is. It may show 102. They're defending like 315. Like, that's how bad it is. So, they're lucky. I mean, thankfully, they got the other games in there at times from the non-conference to where it's not lower. But they got to shift this thing and get it going in the right direction. And it cannot just be for a game. It's got to be sustained. It's got to start somewhere, but you got to sustain it too. And you got to put some stretches together here. I don't know what the answer is, but I will say this. Sitting in a zone is not the answer, but it may be at least enough of a switch up to give you something to change it. If you're going to keep doing what you're doing, it's not working. You've got to do something. And maybe it's just showing a zone. And the way they're defending out of bounce sets right now, just go zone. 
Just don't give up the rim. And then when the ball comes in, if you need to match from there, match. Just do something to protect the rim. Now, from there, mix in some full court pressure. I don't know. Just do do something. Just change it up. Even if it's just four or five, six trips a game that you do something different, just try it. I'm not saying stick in it, live in it, die in it. Just try something here because sitting in man-to-man, it's, it's not working because they're not disciplined enough to do it. But I get it. I think Cal is probably thinking, well, we're going to play man at something. We're going to play man in the NCAA tournament. If we don't get there, giving up possessions and not working on it, well, whatever, that you've got to do something to win basketball games. And I think I said it earlier in the year that Kentucky is very difficult to scout, and that's a personnel standpoint. I do think they're difficult to scout. Do you want to take away Rob? Do you want to take away Reed? When Trey's playing good, do you want to take away Trey? But from a what they do standpoint, it's not a very difficult scout. There's not much that changes, especially on the defensive end and how you want to attack Kentucky. John Stahl said Dillingham and Shepard should be start. Uh, oh, and Edwards should be riding the pines. I, I thought Edwards was was very solid, and especially in the first half, started. I, I don't want to say breaking through, but you started seeing those flashes again, where you were like, "There, okay, let's let's build on this." Uh, and you know, Cal took him out immediately after he hit that big three, and it, that, that was kind of a moment of the game where I was like, "Damn!" And then uh, Dillingham had kind kind of gone nuclear there early and when Cal subbed him the fans like booed him and I I don't remember the last time I've seen that Sean I thought that was kind of a an interesting moment of of the game but um there was also you know while we're talking about defense and and you know zone what you do whatever just remember after the South Carolina game when he was talking about Z and what the path to him playing would look like listen to this quote been working on some zone. We may throw some zone in and out, especially with Z. And you guys look at me and say, he'll never play zone. Well, if Z can't guard the way he needs to and we want to play him, you put him in the middle of a zone. Just say, you won't believe this kid. Just be real big. Be 7-2. And so I just like to hold guys accountable. It's tough to hear that, Sean, and then be in the midst of this three of four game losing streak and understand that the defense is, has been so problematic and knowing that, okay, if that, if that's the issue with Z that he's just so unbelievably behind uh, defensively, I mean, he's not any worse than what we're seeing right, right now. And we've seen the offensive flashes, you know, and it's kind of our talk about the small ball and what it looked, what the identity looked like before. Why not try that? Like, why not just, see if that could be the answer and it, whether it's Z there or Bradshaw there or whatever. Like, I, I don't, I don't know why we don't see at least just a couple of possessions just to, just to make the, the opponent think differently instead of I can, I can straight line drive and score at will here without even thinking twice. Like you at least have to give them something to think about and switch things up. Maybe it's that. And that's and that's what I was getting at too was is zone the long term answer? It's it's not. Like they're they're not gonna sit in a zone for you know 40 minutes. That's that's not that's not gonna do it for Kentucky. But like you said there, just something different. Coming out of timeouts, coming out of media timeouts, just show a different look one trip. Just something different that way, because I'm I'm telling you, these coaches in these timeouts right now, they're drawing up one thing, throw something else at them just to 
take them off what they drew up coming out. Like I knew Rick Barnes called a great timeout last night. I think I texted the group chat when the game got down to seven and he called one. And I said, he is going to make Kentucky defend the full clock right here. And they're going to get something late in the final eight. They did. Just managing the flow, coming out, getting what you want. From Kentucky's standpoint, when they come time, come out of timeouts, I just I'd like to see Cal just maybe mix it up and just show a different look. Maybe it's just a full court running jump or something, just out of it, just to kind of change up the flow of the game, and then try to keep some balance off the other bench. Make them think a little bit, make them work a little bit, because teams do it to Kentucky. So, like I said, I don't think zones the answer long term. I don't think zones the answer for five, six, seven, eight minutes of a game. But some of your best coaches in college basketball, they're they're really good at managing games, whether it be timeouts or Bill Self going Bill Self going to a triangle and two in the final two segments of a game. Like he's not afraid to do it. And when you go back and look at this team, though, and I need to go back and watch that game, and I, I get it, they were undersized. Hunter Dickinson was a force that night, a lot to deal with on the glass. I think some of their best togetherness defensively at times was in that game because they were having to fight and stay together and connected. You had Trey Mitchell working his tail off. You had a do giving great help. You had all these guards doing their thing. They came up short, but when I go back, I saw a team at times that was together defensively and connected and on the same page. That's gone out the window. And now when they are together defensively, it's a straight line drive. And it's just not being held accountable. And guys, guess what? You have to hold yourself accountable here. If you're not guarding the basketball, guard it. Like there's it, Rob gives up a lot of straight line drives. And Reed overhelps a ton and ball watches. And the list goes on and on and on. I can keep going and keep going with guys on this roster that make mistakes on the defensive end. Until that gets corrected and they start rebounding, like they had a significant advantage in second chance points last night at the half. And then at the end of the game, it come back and it's like dead even. So, look, they let Florida and Tennessee outperform what they do offensively significantly in back-to-back games with seven-footers. I get it. You can say D.J. Wagner makes a significant difference. Yeah, he, he's a, he's an on-ball defender, and he's there. I'm telling you, Jack, it, it would not have mattered. They, they maybe beat Florida. I think he gives them enough there, but I don't think it changes the outcome of last night. I think Tennessee was the better team from the opening tip to the final horn. And you get four combined points from basically anybody on the roster above six eight. I mean, what what is it as simple as just going small ball there, or or why not just see what you got in in Z? Like I, I you went through so much work and effort to get him over here. You've seen the flashes, especially offensively. He can't be any worse than anybody else defensively. I don't know, man. I I don't I I don't want to call this shot, but there is a scenario here that I think that Kentucky's best five by the end of the year is Z as that five as that five man. I do. Like I I just I know you got to be patient with him. You can't just throw him into the fire. And obviously, we saw him at his worst against South Carolina, and the sample size is still small. All that stuff. I, I get it, but you're not getting much of anything right now out of Aaron Bradshaw. You're not. I mean, U- Ugo is very 
nice for who he is. And I know Cal really loved that, that, you know, defensive anchor presence uh, that, that he showed, especially down in, in Arkansas. But, you know, clearly Cal doesn't have a whole lot of trust in him either because he kind of got the quick, quick pull last night too. So at some point you gotta push your chips in somewhere. And if, if you're not going to, if you're going to sacrifice true offensive versatility with, those two because you're not getting the face of you know remember the, the days of well ab might be a three he wants to play the three like come on man that that's if you're going to sacrifice that offensive versatility why not you know for the length and size why not try to get both because you're not getting defense out of you know you're getting some of it with ugo none of it essentially with bradshaw why not try to figure out what that looks like with Z. And I know he was a little sick, but I, there is a path there, I think, for Z to be your five by year's end. I do. Just looking at this box score, too, it, it's really hard to fathom and to think that you watched the game where Kentucky scored 92 points and it never led. That's hard. The only like 12 seconds, the only 12 seconds that it was a tie game was the opening tip them bringing the ball up the floor before they can the three. Like, and, there and was the, 12 seconds. And the worst thing about the opening segment was it was three different guys hit threes. Three different guys made shots in the opening minutes of the game. You know, Vescovy, Josiah Jordan James, and Ziegler. The three guys that had been kind of neutralized from everybody else in college basketball this season that they had controlled. And I'd had this conversation with multiple people about Tennessee, and I told you that I went, and you, you guys know this, I went and watched them practice. I had conversations with Rick Barnes, and I I could see with my own two eyes what they were going to be. I knew that, like, we talked about Dalton Connect. Like, Rick told me multiple times, this guy's capable of scoring 40-plus on any given night, but the question's always been about the other guys. And do I think that that team's going to make it to a Final Four? I don't. Like, I think that they'll end up reverting some night and the older guys won't do what they did last night. Kentucky allowed them to do it. Not everybody's Kentucky. So I don't think Tennessee's a Final Four team from what I've seen to this point this season. But last night, they looked like the national champion. But Kentucky was definitive. They go, I mean, it's career nights for multiple guys on that roster that have been playing college basketball a very, very long time. That's a problem, Jack. And it's everybody's having a career night against Kentucky. And it's not the old line of, well, it's Kentucky. Everybody gets up for us. No, it's not. It's not. It's when you give up straight line drives and you shoot wide open threes. These are college basketball players for a reason in Power 5 Conference. They're going to make shots. And I know this has been a whole podcast and episode on defense. And it feels like we're repeating ourselves a ton. It's going to be the same story if they lose again this week. Defense, I'm telling you, it's all going to lie within it, it, it all lies with the defense until the defense and the rebounding start trending. And like I said, I'm going to keep saying it, it doesn't have to reach elite level status. They're scoring the ball at an elite level. Just get the defense somewhere in the upper half. And you got a team that can go on a run and compete and beat anybody in the country. Until then, they're going to lose a lot of games. This I just didn't envision this season turning to the point that this could be a 10-loss season. And they're staring it down right now. And, and that's why I, I'm I'm still never going to just pull the, yep, this team's doomed. We're, 
you know, no, no hope. We're, we're, you know, we, we, we got to fire cow. We got to do like, I, I, I'm never going to get to that point because, you know, we've seen with our own two eyes, this team at its best. Like we know what that vision looks like and you can just kind of hope that they can string together some of that in March, but it does make me feel gross to start overlooking the regular season. We are basically completely throwing out the regular season at this point and saying none of this matters pushing all of our chips in and mark again. That's a really stressful thing on Cal side. We talked about the pressure on Cal's shoulders. That's putting a lot on him to basically say, none of this, none of this matters. We'll, we'll, we'll be fine in March because we've been doing that the last couple of years and it's burned us. We can't really afford something like that, but this team is different than last year's team. Last year's team. Again, we'd never felt that, Ah, there's the path for them to go all the way. You can see it with this group and know what it looks like, but you can't just believe in something that's not going to come. Like it has to come from somewhere. There is an avenue for them to win out and again be the hottest team in college basketball entering March. That is absolutely on the table. But we can also we can no longer just assume that the alternative is going to just not happen either. I'll I'll say this, and this this might be a weird path that I'm taking here, but and, and obviously he's not here at Kentucky, and th- I mean the situation's fine. But Oscar Sheboy, there was a lot of talk about whether he could play on this team. I'll say this: last year I didn't think Kentucky was a good defensive team. They weren't, and their numbers probably would have looked similar if he hadn't have been so elite at rebounding the basketball. When I go back and watch, the defense has been turning in the wrong direction for a while now. Oscar's defensive rebounding rate covered up a lot. His offensive rebounding rate covered up a lot. He would help this team if he had he been on it, just because if you're like I keep saying, if you're going to be that bad defensively, you better be elite at rebounding. There's no Oscar Sheebway on the roster, Jack. That's why this has to be a collective thing. And that to me is the main focus. When you force misses and you get them, you've got to come up with the rebounds to go. And Kentucky had opportunities down the stretch last night, late in the clock, to get a couple and to at least apply some pressure to Tennessee. It couldn't get the rebound to even get to that situation to that next step. Like I said, no Oscar Sheepway walking through the door. This has to be a complete, total effort to Kentucky to get better on the defensive glass. If it does that, I think some of the other stuff starts to turn you get a little bit of discipline here in the next five or six, five or six weeks. Kentucky has the backcourt and the shot makers to make a run in March. Right now, it does not have the recipe on the defensive end in the glass. You got to find it. We're coming up on our home stretch. Let's kind of hit reset real quick with a message from our latest partner, Monticello Bank. Well, hello, Cindy. A lot of banks are changing hands these days. Not Monticello. We've been building relationships since 1895. And with each passing year, we've grown. Hello, Cindy. Hi. And expanded our services to meet the needs of the communities we serve. Aren't you forgetting something? Monticello Bank. Equal housing lender member FDIC. 
the Sources Say podcast is also brought to you by Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free, and he is here to help. If you have any questions about business ownership, you can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, Sean, there's a lot of talk in our chat about NBA and focus on NBA. I, I want people to understand that we've done this before. We saw what a non-NBA roster looked like last year with an island of misfit transfer portal toys. And I never want to go back to all in on the portal ever again. I don't. I, I That is a losing recipe. I don't think that that fits this system and this program's culture and identity it just I I don't think that's that's what works um so I I don't know what they're looking for by saying we got to stop focusing so much on the NBA because it's not the focus on the NBA it's focusing on NBA talent that you build a roster around because they're the best of the best like it I, I think they're missing the point there, or it's not. I, I, I get the timing really sucked with the seven all stars for the for Kentucky all time record. Like I, I get it was tough to hear that immediately after the Florida loss, but also understand that the path to this program being at its best is having the most NBA talent because those guys win the most games. This team is still as capable of winning a ton of games and making a run in March because they're clearly talented. They're just not disciplined. They're just, they, they, they don't have that extra oomph that you're waiting for that. You're not going to get out of Savir Wheeler and some of the, you know, I mean, not trying to just specifically throw jabs at individual guys, but the overall identity, it, it, it doesn't add up for the people that don't want the NBA stuff, because that's clearly what's working here I, I i don't see it i, I don't either like there, there's a balance to where you add transfer portal and stuff to the way you put your rosters together but i have no problem with the way this roster looks i have a problem with the way this roster is defending right now and it's simple when you look at the box score here's the other side of this i mean it's not like tennessee stopped kentucky last night offensively i mean when you give up 92 you probably think you lose that game And when you look at the overall box score, just running through some numbers here, Jack, this is how marginal this is when you don't defend. You shoot, as a team, you shoot 49.3% from the floor. Tennessee was 48.6. So you you outshoot Tennessee from the field. From the three-point line, you're 12 of 27 for 44%. Tennessee's 12 of 30 for 40%. You outshoot them from three. Free throw line. 12 of 19 for 63. Tennessee's 19 of 26 for 73. There's a key area. Tennessee shot 74 shots. You shoot 69. Go the offensive rebounds. Tennessee had 18. Kentucky had 14. Extra shots, extra possessions. If you're not going to defend, you get to that marginal stuff where it's razor thin. And if you just defend, if you just defend at an average clip last night, you win the game. Like those things, it's it's it. When you look at it, even as bad as it is, you can kind of minimize it and crunch it and find it. And there it was. That's a lot of it. It's not like Tennessee stopped Kentucky. 
They just stopped Kentucky a little bit more, and Kentucky stopped Tennessee. Might sound silly, but there it is. And that's I, – I genuinely think they need to go down to Nashville and just beat the living hell out of Vandy. I do. Like, I, I think it could be as – if you're looking for that – sunshine and rainbows take what it would look like for that turnaround all that i think one good old-fashioned ass whooping is what this team needs to kind of understand what it looks like okay so if we dig in here and we put together that connectivity and the the, the fight on that end of the floor and hold hold a team while doing what they're doing on the offensive and not turn into a rock fight like we saw in Fayetteville but like a true 90 to 55 60 type of game maybe that's what it looks like maybe it's a okay we can do this because it is I will always take a team that I can trust to hit shots in March versus one that has struggles on the defensive. I will always take that, but you also have to know what that looks like. You can't just, as we've talked about ad nauseum, like you can't just rely heavily on that. All it takes is one good old punch in the mouth to see what that looks like and give give these kids the vision of what an elite defensive effort looks like so they have some type of blueprint to use moving forward. And yeah, I, I'm with you. Go go down there and, and get a big win and, and get yourself right, regardless of where it where the location is. Just get right somewhere, and then carry it over and, and sustain it and build on it. Now, one thing before here before we close, you and I and everyone in this fan base spent hours, weeks, months, felt like years, <laughs> trying to get something different offensively to happen. I just didn't expect the defense to kind of face plant with it. Now, here's the thing that I'll say. I think they spent a ton of time this summer in those practices getting what they're doing offensively in place. I don't know how much was spent defensively. I wasn't in those practices or those workouts. But I would say, Jack, that a lot of it was offense at that point and just playing basketball, playing that random style of play. I don't know if that took away a little bit too defensively. I don't know the other side of this, not having available seven-footers in all of practice leading up to the season, what that does to you defensively too. If you're having to defend a completely different way, there's still time to get it right, get some discipline, and I think things start to turn for you. Just get a little bit of discipline on that in the floor Pay attention to the final eight, ten seconds of shot clocks. Can Kentucky get stops against these teams coming up? That's where it starts. And it's not just forcing a miss. It's forcing a miss but grabbing a rebound. It's connected. If Kentucky can do that, you can turn this thing around and get going. Like, do I still believe that this team can be good? Yes. I've seen it. I've, I've, I've watched what they can do and what they can do on the offensive end. Rob Dillingham can hit shots like that in the NCAA tournament. Reed Shepard can make plays in the NCAA tournament. Get DJ Wagner healthy. They have the pieces to do it. It's just, does it all come together at the right time? And in Cal's mind, and a lot of people within this fan base, they're always looking towards March. It's just not been there for the last four or five years. So it's hard to really look at it and trust it. I want to see this team not wait till March to get it figured out. I want to see it get figured out in February to at least give some confidence, not with us, but within that roster and within those walls as well. Yeah, I... This is no longer about one seed, two seed, three seed, what that like. This is now all about momentum and just making sure that this team 
is clicking and playing its best basketball by Nashville. Like that's it needs to be clicking, even if it takes a couple games. Like we, we're I, I think we're going to see a couple more losses, no matter what this looks like. We're probably thrown away that possibility of this being a one seed, of this being uh, you know one of those teams on paper. But if they're if they're playing together, I'll take this team over the field. Like I, I don't really care at that point. That's why I wasn't really so caught up in the UNC Wilmington the day by day stuff of the, oh well, this is going to be the loss that makes sure that we're not like I don't whatever I, that didn't really bother me. If this team is playing like one that is the best, you know, kind of like that 2019-20 team before the world shut down. That team was playing at a at a level where you said. I see the vision for them to to do that. They took that early loss to Evansville, but they you could see the vision there. That's all we got to see with this team. And, and the the path is there. Obviously, it could be a, a I know it's a tough place to play. I hate that Memorial Gym, but you there's at least an an opportunity there to have a feel good win. You need it. You have to go get it. Uh, and then we'll see what happens, Gonzaga. That's going to be a tough one. I know they just lost uh, to St. Mary's. Again, they're going to be desperate. They need the quad ones, blah, 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 blah. They're fighting for their tournament lives right now because their schedule is just so so abysmal. So you got another hungry, desperate team coming into March. They have the name brand. It's it's That's going to be a really, really important game for this team and in its trajectory moving forward. You have no choice but to win that game. Like, yeah, that's that's you got you got to have it. So And, and you just got to play who's next on your schedule, too. And I know it's not a great team. But you just got to play what's next. And if that's where it starts getting right, then get right there and then carry it over. I will say this as we close, that I think we did overlook some stuff early in November. And I'm not even talking UNC Wilmington early December. I'm talking more probably the St. Joe's game where there were some defensive issues, defending the three-point line and other things. And remember Reed Shepard being on the bench there late in the game because he just kept getting lost defensively. And what conversation are we having now about Reed defensively? He keeps getting lost. And fans were losing their mind. Everybody, like, why is Reed not in the game, including me? And then I go back and watch the tape, and I see the same things that I'm seeing now. So I I do think that we overlooked some issues there that just thought getting seven-footers would fix it. And it didn't. And here's the other side of this, too. I don't know this. But I'm willing to bet the coaching staff overlooked them too, thinking seven footers in size would fix it. And it hasn't. So now you got to regroup it and fix it with all of it together. That's where you go from here. You got all of the pieces of the puzzle at at least on the roster. Now it's about trying to figure out which how the puzzle pieces work together. We kind of thought we had it with that five-man group of, you know, leaving Arkansas of of DJ Antonio Reed Trey Ugo, then DJ goes out and the pieces are at least there. The foundation is set of we got dudes. We got to have those dudes play together and cohesive, and we'll see what happens. I just got called the biggest Reed fanboy in the comments after I just basically broke down an entire episode last week on how bad he was defensively. That you'll never, you'll never make some of these fans happy. It's 
It's the the nature of the beast. Uh, my, my favorite is when a, a loss happens and you have morons on Twitter saying, "I thought the media said that I we were a, a, a Final Four team." Like like we're we're the ones out there giving up the defenses. Like that that we're out there not rebounding the ball and that we're not playing together and and playing undisciplined and giving up the wide open baseline out of bounds. Like I, I like how we get lumped in with that stuff, and it's like you know what. It is what it is, man. What you feel feel how you have to feel if if I'm the brunt of your of your frustration just to get something out. I'll take it, bro. I'm cool. I'll and, I'll... and I will say this. I, I walked into KS Bar yesterday and three I think three people came up to me and shook my hand and told me they loved the show. I had on Douglas gear because we were we were playing we literally played last night at six o'clock. And then when our game was over, I came straight over to Rupp. And then I saw two people at Rupp, one of them being the exact same person I saw at KS Bar. <laughs> also got asked yesterday if I coach at Fairleigh Dickinson because I guess the FD on the on the shirt. So, no, I, I, what I'm trying to say is interactions like that. I texted you, Jack. I texted our group text yesterday. That stuff means the world to me. When someone that I don't even know that pops up out of these comments comes and introduces themselves to me, it's happened. Here's the crazy thing. It's not just happened at KS Bar. I've had two officials this year at high school basketball games come up and talk to me. I had a head coach yesterday of another school come over and talk to me. Tells me he loves what we do breaking down the game on here. I had a clock keeper at the King of the Bluegrass this year. But one official comes over to me mid-third quarter after he called a bad call this year and says, man, I love the show. <laughs> Like probably one of the funniest things that happened at Great Crossing. So it's it made me realize just how much reach we have with this. And this is why I take it seriously what I say on here. This isn't just emotions. This is why we this is why I don't want to record immediately after a loss. Because I want to kind of digest it, think about it before I come on here and say it. Because the things that I was saying last night while I was leaving the building, after I went back and watched the game again, a little different what I'm saying today. So we take this stuff seriously. We appreciate the support. I love doing this with you, Daniel, Stephen. It, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through it. Is what I'm trying to say. We'll get through it together. We'll, we'll one way or the other, we'll uh, we'll be enjoying this ride. It's been a fun team. I love. I, I do love this team. I really do. It's 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 a blast to watch. The great kids, and um, I, I, I'm I'm going to enjoy this journey. I'm going to. I, I know Cal asked for fans to not try to analyze everything. I don't know it's our job to analyze everything, but I am enjoying the process from start to finish. And I, I hope that we get to th this team isn't a what if I'm hoping that, and that, you know, believe that they, there is a path there for them to come together and, you know, li live up to what, what their potential is. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Appreciate each and every one of you guys. As always, this was fun. Um, feel a little bit better now than I did when the show started. I think so. It, it always happens. I always, you know, come in saying, "All right, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put my foot down. It's time to." And then by the end, I'm like, you know, I'm actually kind of excited for Tuesday. I think, I think we're gonna be just fine. I think, I think it's gonna be a good opportunity. It, it never fails with me. Um, all right, let's get out of here, Sean. Where can fans find your work? You can follow me on Twitter at GBB Country. Find me on Twitter as well, at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Go subscribe. KSR Plus, we're having a blast over there. Community is growing. It's uh, Some of the takes over there are hot today, though, let me tell you. so. Um, but it's, it's okay. Fan how you got a fan. It, it, digest this. Let this marinate however you got to. 
you are totally in the right with how you how you are uh, you know digesting this. So fan how you got a fan, get those hot takes off, uh, and let's come back regroup on Tuesday. Uh, hopefully for a win down in Nashville, and then we'll follow that up with our uh, post game show on Wednesday. It's been been a blast. Like, subscribe, uh, comment, keep commenting. Appreciate everybody that joined us in the chat on this Sunday. We will see you on Wednesday. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.